0: Look at another element, and uh, this morning we're going to look at evangelism. And uh, I was debating about uh, either going through about evangelism today, or I was also going to look at uh, baptism. And I figured with it being uh, the fair week and uh, just doing our stuff that we're going to have with our outreach that we're going to do. Uh, This afternoon, um, I figured it would be good to cover about evangelism. And I guess really this morning, I just kind of want to really share my heart with you and just hopefully maybe enlarge your vision of what God can do or what God will do if we walk with Him, if we follow Him. And we're just obedient to what the Lord uh, wants for our lives, even here at uh, Pleasant Ridge. And, you know, I think it's important when we come to a message like this about evangelism, I think it's important to understand, you know, what it is and how evangelism is supposed to be used in the church. Um, Because from what scripture teaches us, those things are supposed to work hand in hand. Um, we'll look at a few verses here in just a moment about uh, about evangelism. You know, evangelism is not necessarily something that we do, okay? It's not a program. It's not like, okay, you know, we're going to be an evangelistic church, so we've got to put together some programs to be an evangelistic church. That's the wrong way to look at it. I think evangelism is more in the sense of it's in word and indeed it 's a lifestyle it 's something that that we all practice in our life about being evangelistic um, so when we look at scripture, um, I think it 's important to understand that as we are growing in Christ, that as you grow in Christ, as you um, follow God's Word, as you're allowing God's Word to take root in your heart, and you're allowing His Word to change you and transform you, the closer and closer that you are drawing to Christ, that it is the prayer of God, it's the prayer of Jesus, it's the prayer of, of Scripture, that as you learn more about Him, that you would grow in your faith and that you would come to understand what the will of God is for your own individual life. And I believe scripture backs that up very well. Um, Ephesians 1.17, we've kind of made this our prayer for this series. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I think that as we grow in our faith towards Christ... That will grow more in our understanding of what God's heart is as he is seeking out to reconcile people back to himself. And it gives us that understanding uh, with that. So let's pray this morning and then uh, we'll jump into our uh, scriptures uh, as we find here in God's word. Lord, as we come before you this morning, thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together to worship and to just look at what scripture says about evangelism, and help all of our hearts to be open, help all of us to understand what your word says, um, help us to grasp an understanding and a picture of uh, what we as a church are commanded in scripture uh, to do. I pray that you will bless this outreach effort that we're going to have this afternoon, Lord, that you would just put your Holy Spirit wind into it and that you'd breathe life uh, into it and, and reach the people that, uh, that are searching, reach the people that are looking. Um, God, thank you f- so much for the opportunity that we have to be able to spread your word and to do it freely without fear of, of um, government or things like that. Thank you so much that we live in this free country that we're able to do that. And uh, please bless this time as we spend together around your word. And we ask this in your name. Amen. So let's look at a few things here in Scripture about what is evangelism. What is evangelism? Well, believe it or not, the word evangelism is not found in the Bible. Okay? Sometimes people have this idea of, you know, that guy, he's an evangelist. And he's the guy that shows up in the white suit with the slick back hair and talks really, really fast. Right? Okay? Evangelism is not found in the Bible, um, evangelism became very popular during times of revivals as a way for those to reach masses of people. And they would have evangelistic meetings. You know, they'd set up tents. Uh, I think uh, Marilyn was telling me last week about uh, uh, about the missionary church. They set up the tent and they bring people in. They preach to them for two weeks, and you know, it's that whole uh, thing of an evangelistic meeting. Many of you uh, remember. Growing up, hearing about Billy Graham and the things that he would do and the tents. And you can go over here to, uh, oh, uh, what's that name of that uh, town that uh, Billy Sunday was from? Va- yes. Okay, so you can go over there and you can tour the museum and you can look at the tabernacle and all that kind of stuff. All right. We understand about evangelism, but the word evangelism is not found in the word of God. Um, the first way that we find talking about something that has to do with evangelistic or an evangelist is in the book of Acts, which tells us about Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, one of the seven men that was chosen as a deacon to care for the needs of the church. And it says that Philip was an evangelist. And then we come across here in a verse in Ephesians chapter 4, 11. Let's look at the verses, what it says. And he gave the apostles, he, Jesus, gave the apostles... The prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, or pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So this verse makes it clear that God has given to the church people who have different roles. There's apostles, there's prophets, there's evangelists, there's pastors, teachers. And God has given them to the church. Now what is the purpose that he has given them to the church? Notice what the text says. For the building up of the body of Christ. So it's important to understand that the evangelist in the church is there to help The church and her members grow in the skills of personal and congregational evangelism. Just as much as the pastors there, just as much as the teachers there, the prophets there, the apostles there, they're there to help the church grow in their skills. Other translations of God's word uses the word some, and he gave some apostles, he gave some evangelists, some pastors... And that word some is important as it it points out that not all will be gifted. Uh, We have to understand that even in a congregation like this, that there are many giftings, many differences in our giftings. And God gives that church as a gift some to help that church in the work of the ministry. So let's look at another verse here that I think uh, gives us a thing about uh, evangelists. 2 Timothy 4, 5, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, As for you, Timothy, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Now, was Timothy an evangelist? Well, we know that he was sent there uh, to the church and he was sent there to be a pastor there. And so as he's there, Paul says, you need to do the work of an evangelist, Timothy. And so he encourages him to do that, to fulfill that role, to fulfill that office. So what exactly is an evangelist? Well, an evangelist is a preacher of the gospel, one who announces good news. That's what an evangelist is. So one who preaches the gospel and one who announces good news. You say, well, what is the gospel? Is it God's word? Is it uh, what exactly is the gospel? Well, 1 Corinthians 15 really gives us an understanding of what the gospel is. Paul says, I declared unto you the gospel, and here it is how that Jesus died for our sins, how that he was buried for our sins, and that he rose again according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. The death burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the good news that we are supposed to be sharing. We share that with people that are lost. We share that with people that do not have a relationship with Christ. People that are trying to maybe earn their way to God or trying to do some good works to God or they think, hey, I'm going to go to heaven because of this or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Well, the good news is that we share with them is that Christ died for their sins and that he was buried and then he rose again. That's the good news that we are supposed to be sharing and proclaiming as individuals. So an evangelist is a preacher of the gospel, one who announces good news. Let's look at another few things here. Is an evangelist a spiritual gift? That's a good question. This passage out of here, out of 1 Corinthians 12, along with Romans chapter 12, kind of gives us the breakdowns of spiritual giftings, Okay? Now, as we look at this passage, we don't find anywhere as the evangelist nor evangelism being listed as a spiritual gift. Look at the passage. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. These are all the gifts that the Lord has given the church. And he says these giftings are to be used in the church. And the same in Romans chapter 12, it talks about the giftings. So then the question arises then, is an evangelist or evangelism a spiritual gift? Sometimes people say, well, you know, I really don't have the gift of an evangelism so i'm not going to share god's word well we're not talking about the fact of having that gift okay so is evangelism a spiritual gift Well i say yes and no you say well that doesn't really doesn't make sense kind of like yes we have no bananas <laughs> is evangelism a spiritual gift well, yes, it is a giftedness, a skill set. Did you ever meet somebody before that has the ability to really just explain the gospel? I mean, and they do it with such finesse. They do it with such an ability. I mean, they got all the illustrations. They know exactly what to say, how to say it. That's a skill set. <coughs> that's something that they have been gifted with. Okay? It's kind of like this. Let's just say we see somebody up here that's really talented with music. Okay, They can play, they can compose, they can do all kinds of stuff. You would say something, you would say, you're really gifted in music. Now, is music a spiritual gift? Not necessarily, but it's a giftedness. Okay? So when we look at evangelism, we say, well, what about evangelism? Is it a spiritual gift? Well, let me give you a good example of this. Romans chapter 12, verse number 6. Okay. It says this, it says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Now, if you joined us when, uh, when Jerry uh, taught on spiritual gifts, it was an awesome, awesome study. Okay, He went through talking about the spiritual gifts, this was on Wednesday nights, and we looked at the different giftings of the spiritual gifts. And one of the things that we learned about was that there's two different types of gifts. There's speaking gifts, and there are serving gifts. So either you're speak, you have a speaking gift, whether it be prophesying, whether it be preaching, teaching, evangelist, whatever the case may be. But then there's also gifts of serving. But all those gifts were given for the purpose to edify the church, to build it up. So here's what we have to say about this. One might be able to say that prophesying is the verbal sharing of God's truth. Just as he says here in Romans twelve six. we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then you need to prophesy in accordance to your faith. So we can say somebody who prophesies, they share God's truth. They still share it. Here's another good example of this. If somebody's a teacher... And they are, they've been gifted with that ability of being able to teach. What are they doing? They're still sharing God's truth. So what about the gift of mercy? How does that work in sharing God's truth? You see, I believe that whatever giftedness you've been given, whether it be mercy or whether it be that of prophesying or administration, whatever case may be, when we use that gift... ...in conjunction with the Holy Spirit... ...and we allow the Holy Spirit to utilize that gift in a, in a supernatural way... ...then we are able to share God's truth with that individual. I can't tell you how many times I see people that come into this parking lot here and park. Okay, And I've made it a habit right now that each time I see somebody parked over there... ...I go over there, not to scare them off or anything... But to ask them and say, is everything okay? Are you okay? Just this morning, there was a man parked out there. His truck looked like it had been wrecked. And I went over there and I asked him, I said, are you okay? Is everything okay? And the guy said, I just had a fight with my wife. So you have to think about that, okay? That's a perfect opportunity to use spiritual giftedness if you have the gift of mercy. If you have that, that gift to be able to speak to somebody like that. That you can show that person mercy and share with them God's truth, God's love. So it's important to understand when we look at evangelism, that yes, it is a skill set, but we are all commanded in scripture to be sharing God's truth. And it's important to do that. So what does that mean for me? What does that mean for you? How do we do this? How do we share God's truth? I want to give you a few uh, verses that back this up about that it's for the church. Look at a few verses here, and I'm just going to go through them. I'm just going to give you the references, and I'll read to them because there's so many here. Uh, but you can write them down. Um, what does this mean for me? Matthew 28:18 through 20. The Bible says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. You see, this was not just for the apostles, because Jesus said he'd be with us to the end of the age. We like to claim that part, don't we? We like to say, oh, Jesus is going to be with me all the way to the end of the age. Well, he's going to be with us to be able to proclaim his word for everybody. Here's another one, Acts chapter 1, 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, if this was for the only for the only church, then why do we depend upon the Holy Spirit then? Power for what? It's power to be His witnesses. And so we're supposed to be using His power in conjunction with our spiritual gifts to be sharing God's truth. Here's another one. 2 Corinthians 5, 18-20, it says, And this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry has been given this ministry of reconciliation to be an ambassador for Christ, to represent Christ, to preach Christ. Here's another one. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world, Jesus said. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. How about this one in 1 Peter 3.15? But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense... To anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it, this is so important, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So many times I think when we try to share our faith, we want to try to cram it down people's throat. But God's word says that we need to do it with gentleness and respect. Here's another one Colossians chapter 4 verses 5 through 6, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer every person. Here's another one. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And isn't that what evangelism really is? It's you just telling people how God changed your life, took you from darkness, and brought you into light. And that's really all it is. Here's another one. We find here Jude chapter, Jude verses 22 through 23, it says, And have mercy on those who doubt, save others by snatching them out of the fire, to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. You see... For us as believers in Christ, there's something that we need to understand. We need to understand how to use evangelism in connection with our spiritual gift. So if you know that your spiritual gift is serving, then you need to learn how to use evangelism in connection with that serving so that you can proclaim Christ. That's how we do it. If your gift is mercy... Then you need to learn how to use evangelism in connection with mercy to share Christ. Just for example, the the man that was out here this morning. Let's just say that you walked up to him and you had the gift of mercy. And you had a gift of compassion. And you were to say to him, say, I'm so sorry that that's happening. Can I pray for you? That might really catch that man off guard. He might think... This person doesn't even know who I am. This man's willing to pray for me. You might make a connection with that person. You might be able to get to start share Christ with that person. But the idea is no matter what your spiritual gift is, you need to learn how to use evangelism, bring that in with that giftedness in order to share Christ with them give you a few other things here to think about. What does this mean for this group of Christians as we as follow of Christ? Well, within a 10-mile radius of this location here, we have a potential to reach about 70,000 people. That's within a 10-mile radius of here. What are we doing then to utilize our spiritual gifts to evangelize the lost in our area? You see, we need to start thinking about reaching beyond these walls, okay? This doesn't matter. This is just brick, plaster, paint, carpet, wood, electrical. This doesn't matter. People matter. There are hundreds of things that we could be concerned about what to do and everything, But there's one thing that we do need to be concerned about, and that is reaching the lost, reaching people without Christ. You see, we need to look and start thinking about, well, where is our Jerusalem? Where is our Samaria? Where is our Judea? Where is our uttermost parts of the world? What would it look like maybe if one Sunday we decided we were going to have church service at a city park? I mean, what if we went over here, uh, just, I uh, can't remember the street, um, but there's a couple parks just right down here in Goshen, just, I mean, maybe five miles down from here. What if we decide we were going to have a church service there and invite the community out? What would that look like? We've got to start thinking about reaching the lost beyond these walls. Sometimes we have this thinking that, well, I'll just invite my lost friend to church and let the professional take over from there. I understand that thinking. But God wants to use you in connection with your spiritual giftedness to bring that person to Christ. And he will use you. I think what you should probably start thinking about doing is maybe maybe even just this year. Why don't you just write down one name of an individual that you know that's lost. This could be a friend, could be a family member, could be a coworker. Write down one name and start praying for that individual and ask God, saying, God, will you please use me to share Christ with this individual? And you'll be amazed what God will do. How he'll start opening up opportunities for you to use your spiritual giftedness to share Christ with that person. Since about mid-June, um, we here the church. We've been running gospel ads through Google. Uh, Google has a uh, an ad grants program, meaning that they will give you a nonprofit organization, any nonprofit organization, ten thousand dollars a month in free Google advertisement. So what we've done is we we've, we've taken advantage of that. And so we run gospel ads in our area, Middlebury, Goshen area. And what this does is these ads target people that are searching for certain things online. For example, what is the meaning of life? Is there a God? How can I know that I'm going to go to heaven? Is Jesus real? What is the gospel? Certain types of things. And so when they click on that ad, it takes them to a a part on our website that has a gospel presentation of video. So here, I want to give you the results of those ads. Since we've been running them since in June, here's the ads that we've been doing. Since then, we've had 4,400 website visitors just in this area, Middlebury, Goshen. People that are searching, people that are lost without Christ. Since then, we've seen 143 gospel presentations of them watching that gospel presentation, that website, on that website. From that, I've had eight email contacts, people that actually email me with things like, I'm struggling with addictions. I don't know where to turn. I need God's help. All kinds of stuff. These are real people in this area without Christ. So that's why I say we have to start thinking beyond these four walls and how we are going to reach people for Christ. So is this enough? Have we then, since I mean, since we've been running these ads, are we fulfilling the Great Commission that God has commanded us? Is that enough? We support eight missions, both local and abroad. Is this enough? I mean, are we really fulfilling the Great Commission in supporting the missions? Today, we're going to go to the Elkhart Elkhart County Fair, and we're going to pass out uh, fruit cups to the runners. I'm I'm sure that's going to be really refreshing to them. I mean, running in that heat, we're going to give them a fruit cup. They're going to get some water somewhere else. But we're also going to give them these outreach cards that's just got some church information. And then on the back there, it's also got uh, a gospel presentation about how they can come to know Christ. Is this enough? We have to really start thinking, what are we going to do individually, you and me, to reaching individuals for Christ? Evangelism becomes most effective when we use our individual spiritual gifts with in conjunction of sharing our faith with others. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to do that. He's the one that's going to breathe wind and fire on that spiritual giftedness to actually affect somebody. I mean, it's one thing, you know, if you, if you do something for somebody and, and help them in a certain way. But when you are using that in the power of the Holy Spirit, he's going to use that in a way that you could never thought that you would ever be able to use it. He brings a fire to it. And just ignites it. I mean, it's something more powerful than you ever thought. If you just go through the book of Acts and you read about the early church, it says that when they were scattered abroad, they went around preaching everywhere. It says the word of God was multiplied and it grew. You see about how they were using their spiritual gifts about healings, how they would heal somebody. And through that healing, that person would come to know Christ as their savior. I mean, this is the way that the church is supposed to operate. Using our spiritual gifts in connection with sharing our faith. And God can do some amazing things through all of that. But we have to be open. We have to be willing. We have to say, Holy Spirit, use me. (laughs) I'm ready. Here's some people that I'm concerned about. God, I don't know what you want to do this week, this month, this year. But I'm going to start praying for this individual, and be open and ready. That means when that individual you start having a having a relationship with them, that means when they call you at two o'clock in the afternoon and they say, "Hey man, I had nobody else to call because I, you know you've kind of been there for me, and I need some help." You're ready to help them, and the Holy Spirit's going to use that to share Christ with them. I mean, it's, it's, it's powerful and it's an effective way to be reaching people for Christ. So you say, but you know, Mike, I'm just not gifted in sharing Christ with people. I just, I don't know how to do that. I, I mean, I, I can't remember all those Bible verses. I don't remember all the illustrations. I don't know how to do all that. Okay, I'm going to give you a good example of doing this, all right? And this is something that you can learn. You can utilize it. You can use it in your own, uh, your own witnessing, however you want to do it. Okay? Now, on the back of your bulletin, we left a space there blank for you. So that way you can actually draw the illustration here. Okay? Now, if you already kind of filled in notes, sorry, you're going to have to use another piece of paper or something like that. Okay. But here's a very effective way to do this. Okay. So here we go. We're only going to use one verse. Okay. So one verse we're going to use. Here's the verse. You write out this verse, Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So let's just say you're having a conversation with Bob, Frank, Jeff, Sam, Sally, whoever, okay? You're having a conversation with them. You started to build a relationship with them. God is using your spiritual gifts in their life. Maybe uh, you have a gift of giving and maybe you planted a garden that year and you heard that Bob and, and Sally have been having a hard time and you go over to their house. You, you gathered up some of your vegetables and stuff from your garden. You're going to go over there and you're going to give them because you're using your spiritual gift and you give that to them and you say, hey, how's things going? Or you bring by a bag of groceries for them and you're, you're opening yourself up to them. And so you begin to talk with them. The Holy Spirit gives you an opportunity to share Christ with them. So simple. All you need is a piece of paper, a pen. Write down this verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now here's what we do. First thing you do is you write out the word wages and you circle it. Okay? So you take the word wages, write it down, you circle it. And you ask him, you say, now, do you know what wages are? You go through it, you explain what wages are. They're a payment. It's what we receive. And the Bible here says, for the wages of sin is death. Because of your sin, Bob, Sally, Frank, Sam, whoever. Because of your sin, your payment for your sin is what? Well, then the next thing is you're going to circle this word is sin. You talk about sin. What is sin? Sin. Anything we say, do, or think that is against God's word. So you can ask him, you can say, have you ever uh, lied before? Yeah, I have. Have you ever murdered anybody? No. Well, have you ever hated anybody? Bible says if you hate somebody, you've committed murder already in your heart. So you show them there is a wage, there's a payment For that sin, the things that you have done. Now remember, the Holy Spirit is using this. He's giving you an opportunity. And I have found, I have found that when the Holy Spirit is drawing that person to come to Christ, that as you present Christ, Christ is doing a work in their life. He's, he's, He's drawing them unto himself. It's one thing to go and, you know, go over to the Walmart parking lot and, you know, throw a whole bunch of flyers everywhere and say, okay, we did our Great Commission part today. But it's another thing when you have the one-on-one time that you're, and this person knows that you care about them and you're sharing with them about Christ. So circle that word wages, you circle that word sin. Here's the next word you do. You do the word, you draw this, and you draw a giant gap between them, okay? So you show them here, you say, look, wages and sin. For the wages of sin is what? Death. So here you are, Bob, Frank, Sam, you're over here on this cliff. And you have wages and you sin. And you will need to get over there to God. But because of your wages and your sin, there's a separation there. And that's where you bring in this next word. What is that next word? Its next word is death. Death is merely separation. Death is what separates. When a loved one dies, you are separated from that person. Well, in a spiritual sense, according to this verse, because of sin, you will be separated from God forever. So you have wages, you have sin, you have death, and you talk about that. You talk about death. You can ask them, has God ever seemed far away to them? Yeah. It seems like I can't even get to God. I mean, I don't even know how to get to God. So there's these two opposing cliffs, and they're separated from one another. So then we put this word in here, okay? But... This, is, this shows that there's, there's, a, there's a climax of events that are coming. Okay, So you have the bad news. What's the bad news? You're on this cliff. God is over here. There's no way that you're going to be able to get to God. Why? Because of the wages of your sin. And if you die in your sin, you will be separated from God. It's an impossibility to get to God. But, there's that word, but... So this shows there's going to be a contrast that's going to come. There's a climax of events. And what is that? Well, then you're going to draw this, all right? You're going to show them this, that there's a gift. And that gift comes from God. Because look what the verse says. But the free gift of God is what? Eternal life. So there's a free gift. Remind them that that gift is free for everybody. And it's a gift from God. He is giving it to them. He's saying, here, I'm willing to give you this free gift. He says, you don't have to have your sin. You don't have to have your wages. You don't have to have your sin. You don't have to have that death. Because I am willing to give you a gift. And it's going to come from God. It doesn't come from baptism. It doesn't come from church membership. It doesn't come from being a good person. It doesn't come from giving money. It comes from God, and that free gift is what we look at—is this gift, eternal life. So God is willing to give them eternal life, but they have this problem. They are on this side of the cliff; God is on that side of the cliff. That's where we come back to that word, but. So, we ask them this: How would we get from one to the other one? There has to be a bridge. And that's where Jesus Christ comes in. He creates the bridge to gap between man's sinfulness and God's free gift. And he says, if you would just simply walk across that bridge to eternal life, you would be given a gift. You would be given eternal life. So you just help them to understand that Jesus Christ is that way of giving eternal life. So then you have to write this word over that gap, okay? It's a very simple word. It's this word. It's trust. They're trusting Jesus to get them across that gap. They're trusting Jesus to get to God. And isn't that what Jesus said? He says, no man comes unto the Father but by me. So Jesus is the only way to eternal life. Jesus is the only way to have forgiveness of sins. Jesus is the only way to experience a true, vibrant, real relationship with God. And so they trust Jesus Christ. And so all they have to do is to repent from their sin and turn to Jesus. So here they are, they're on the one end of the cliff. They have the wages, they have the sin, they have the death. But God says, I'm willing to give you a gift It comes from me, and it's eternal life. And all you have to do is trust. All you have to do is walk across that bridge to God. And you leave it open to them. Can I tell you, I think so many times we, we, the reason why we don't share Christ is because, either one of two reasons. One, we think that they're not going to listen to me, or... They're not going to believe what I have to say. Or there might be a fear of, you know, rejection. Whatever the case may be, all right? The idea is you are so concerned about this individual. Remember what the verse said in 1 Peter? It says that you do it with respect and gentleness. You're so concerned about the individual that you're willing to share Christ with them from your heart. And you love them. This may not just be a one-time thing. This may be, you know, you're over there, you, you came and you used your spiritual gift and you're, you're, you're helping them out, whatever case may be. And some things come up, the Holy Spirit gives you an opportunity to share Christ and you share Christ with them. They may not hear this the first time, but it's not your job to save that person. It's the Holy Spirit's. Your job, my job, is only to present Christ. That's it. We leave the rest in the hands of God. We leave the rest in the hands of the Father. And the Bible says that he will draw them. So we present Christ to them, and he will do the rest. But we use our spiritual giftedness in connection with sharing Christ with others. And this is just an awesome way to do it, just using one verse. I mean, most of you have been in Sunday school, probably have memorized that verse, right? How many of you memorized that verse before? Okay, a few of you. All right, Romans six twenty three. That's all you gotta do is just use that one verse and just use those words, and you can explain simply the gospel presentation to others. So this is something that I think we should all be concerned about to sharing Christ with others. You know, today we're gonna do a large thing. You know, I got 300 of these cards. I don't know. Jeff, do you know how many people registered to run? I don't know. know. Okay. 400. 400. Okay, we're off by 100. All right. Um, But, you know, we're going to give these out. Now, is everybody going to read this? Probably not. Um, Are we going to give these to people that some already know Christ? Yeah, that's, that's a good thing to maybe think about. But what about the one? See, that's what we're after here. I think the more hooks that we put in the water, the more fish we're going to catch. Okay? If you only put one hook in the water, you might only get one fish. But we're, we're, we're trying to put more and more hooks in the water here to allow the Holy Spirit to work. And so what are we doing? We're going to use our spiritual giftedness in connection with sharing Christ. What, how are we using a spiritual gift today? With this 5K. We're giving them something, right? We're giving them refreshments, right? We're being kind. We're being compassionate. We're showing some mercy here. We're saying, hey, we know that heat is really beating you up. Here's some mercy. Cup of mercy, right? And so we're using this in connection with sharing Christ with them. So I hope that, you know, maybe you can use this in your own life. I I pray that maybe just... This week, you know, write down a name of an individual. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring somebody to mind. Somebody that you, can, that you can share Christ with. And start praying for that person, how you can use your spiritual gift to bring them to Christ. Let's pray together.